Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. Today we have Raylan Davis teaching us how to smile through pain. Make sure you're downloading, subscribing, and sharing out the Breakfast with Champions podcast so that you don't miss your opportunity to hear other moderators at the biggest breakfast table in the world. So let's pull up a seat and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions. Thank you again for such an incredible hour. And yes, you're coming back every single week that you are not on a book tour for Relatable. We cannot wait to hear from you week after week. And we're so grateful for your time today. So it says I have the red bar. So just let me know if you can't hear me. But you are in Breakfast with Champions, Wealth and Health Wednesday, the Millionaire's Breakfast Club. We are here from 5 a.m. every morning till 8 p.m. every evening, Eastern Standard Time on weekdays, 6 a.m. to noon on Saturday, and Club 111 is a beautiful worship service at 111 on Sundays. And uh, what Rachel was speaking of is the Grow Your Business for God's Sake event in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, November 5th, 6th, and 7th. So this is an event that Glenn Lundy has done before. Uh, we weren't able to do it in 2020, um, but we're super excited to bring it back because it's all about impact and income. Uh, it's going to be incredible. We have speakers. We have uh, tons of people who you know from Breakfast with Champions, and it's just going to be a time to come together and literally grow your business for God's sake. We're super excited about it. I can't wait. I've never been to Kentucky. Uh, the website to learn more is www.growforgod.com. That's www.growforgod.com. And if you see Glenn's face next to mine, if you DM him absolutely anything, he will send you that link. Uh, and if he doesn't, let me know. So um, without further ado, I want to welcome my friend Raylan to the stage. You know, Raylan is a really special human, not just because he looks just like uh, Dr. Avery from Grey's Anatomy, which is my favorite television show, and he went viral on TikTok for that, um, but because he's a really brilliant sales coach. And so obviously on Wealth Wednesday and Health Wednesday, he's also a um, professional, former professional MMA fighter, uh, and he does jujitsu. But I was like, wealth, health, I feel like those are two words that sum up Raylan and the passions that he brings to people. So we're really grateful you're here to teach us in this next segment. Over to you, Raylan. Once again, I just want to say thank you for having me. Uh, I messaged Sarah today and said I want to just thank you for even thinking of me. This is a really big honor for me. And, and Glenn, it's nice to meet you. Looking forward to to learning more about you and, and getting uh, building a relationship with you and Rachel. Man, uh, once again, that was wonderful. And what I love about what you were talking about, it kind of blends perfectly into what I wanted to talk about today. And before I kind of jump into it, I want you all to ask yourself rhetorical questions. But sincerely, I want you to, if you even can be in front of a mirror when you ask this, it'd be even better. But really consider this question. Do you know who your future self is? Do you know who that person is? And do you have an intimate relationship with your future self? And do you know how far you have to go in order to become that person? There was a time in my life that honestly, I, I didn't know who that person was. And I struggled to find him, but I, I found him over time. And today I want to talk a little bit about that journey and and what allowed me to figure out who that future person was, my future self, then how you can too. If you, if you answer that question honestly and said, you know, I, I really don't know. Now, one movie that really comes to mind when I think about my life, and one movie I honestly can't watch. I've watched it one time. I can't go back. And, and I want you to clap your mics. Have you ever seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith? Okay, there's a few people in. Good, good. I cannot watch that movie. There's a, there's a scene in it that every single time, and everyone that knows me personally knows that I cry a lot. I talk about all the time. When my son was born, he broke all my tear ducts, and, and now stuff just falls out of my eyes all the time. But, but when I was watching that film, there's a, there's a part of that movie where Will Smith is holding his son, and he's holding the door to the bathroom because they don't have a place to stay, and they're staying in this bathroom. Security's trying to bang on the door to get them out. He's just holding his son tightly. Like I'm even getting choked up thinking about it now. And the reason why I can't watch it, because that was my life at one point. When I was uh, younger, my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a seamstress. She made wedding dresses. And, and there's a time in our lives where we were evicted time after time from these different places. And at one point in time, we were staying in a, a, at a homeless shelter. 
And at the time, I was probably about nine years old. My my little brother, he's he was probably five. And in a homeless shelter, especially where we were in the inner city of Detroit, there are people all over us that, let's face it, were just unsavory, right? Like some of them were drug addicts. Some were dealing with, you know, mental health issues. And it was scary, extremely scary. And my mom wanted us just to be able to sleep. And so we hid in the bathroom. My mom locked the door. And time after time, people were trying to come into the bathroom to try to use drugs, et cetera. And it was one of the most horrific memories that I have as a kid. But the reason I even bring that up is because I noticed something in my mom during those times, right? Eventually, we ended up moving out of the, the homeless shelter after a few weeks. My mom like got some money, and we ended up living in a motel. And by the way, this whole time, I'm still going to school. My mom was, was a fighter in a lot of ways. And she knew ahead of time. She wanted to make sure she, her sons had the best opportunity to be successful. So we moved us from the inner city of Detroit to the suburbs, and we were the poorest kids by far in the suburbs. And every single day I would go to school from this one-room motel with one bed the three of us stayed in, and I would go to school as well, almost like nothing happened. And sometimes you know, we would, we would wash our clothes, hand wash our clothes, and sometimes – we didn't have laundry detergent, so we just kind of rinsed them a little bit. And so I'd go to school, and I'd get picked on a lot for being a smelly kid in school. I was always kind of dirty and, and also just, just distracted a lot. And during this time in my life, as you can imagine, I wasn't doing very well in school. I was distracted. I was thinking about how my father was in prison. I was thinking about how when I went home at night, the only thing we really had to eat was bread and, uh, and honey. And sometimes we'd have syrup. And I don't know if you've ever done this before as a kid, but if you, I'm telling you right now, if you try this today, even as an adult, put syrup on just a white bread, it still to this day tastes pretty good. But anyway, that's what we kind of lived off that and PB&J. And I was always focused on these things. And my report card, honestly, even when I was in middle school, read Eddie. I remember this until this day. I got a report card that said, Eddie, don't tell me how I got an E. So back in the day, instead of F, you got an E, and then instead of an uh, I, which is basically you didn't even try. We're not going to give you a grade because you didn't even do anything. And that was my life. And for a while, I had this thing in my head that would always be this way. I played the victim for a lot of times. And I had this thing in my head where I will always be in this place. And every single day when I go to bed, I used to dream that we would hit the lottery. And every single day, I would dream it. Maybe my mom would would marry a rich man and then we can kind of come up and we, I'd be like the, the the male version of Annie. <laughs> that was like the dream for a while, right? And then one day, I don't know what happened, but I, I lost hope. I just kind of realized this is my life. I'm always going to be this way. And one day I remember so most of the teachers and counselors always kind of kind of took pity on me. They, they tried their best with me and they always would do certain things to make sure I'd feel good. And they'd even, the school I went to was amazing. They'd even get gifts for me during Christmas and our family. So that way we didn't always have to go without presents during Christmas. And it wasn't until one day when I, I, I was getting in trouble a lot in school. I used to fight in school all the time. And the teacher pulled me aside and he was my wrestling coach. And he said, who are you going to become when you, when you get older? I, mean, I don't know. I have no idea. And I'll never forget. He told me one day, I don't feel sorry for you. This is the first time, by the way, an adult has ever told me that. I don't feel sorry for you because you have something that no one else has. You have resilience. You have grit. I want you to look around the room here. I want you to see when you walk around in school, all these kids around have no idea what you're going through, and they have no idea that you have a superpower within you that in time, when you're an adult, will be the greatest superpower you have, which is the ability to smile through pain. At the time, I didn't understand it, right? And I just thought he was crazy. But one of the things that he did, what was genius, was he made me a mentor. And back in the day, in order to become a mentor, you had to have really, really good grades, which I did not. And I was a mentor for, for children with uh, special needs. And after that, I became a straight-A student. Simply because I realized in order to be a mentor, I had to step up. But the point of telling you all that is I started to take notice of people around me who were inspiring, my coaches, the people in my life that I would see that were making money, I started asking questions. Hey, how did you get there? Hey, what, like, you know, what do you do for a living? I kept asking question after question. And then something happened where I started to, like Rachel was mentioning before, start making notes of every attribute, every, every personality trait that these individuals had that I didn't have. 
and I don't, I don't know where this switch came, but something happened in my life where I go, I can have that too. Maybe it came from sports. Maybe it came from the fact that I knew that when I first started wrestling, I wasn't very good. When I first started playing football, I wasn't very good, but I, I practiced more than anybody else. I kept trying these new skills, and eventually it became part of me. It became something that I did very well and I was excellent at. Why can't personally personality traits be any different? Why can't these skills of, like Rachel mentioned, acts of generosity, why can't these, these attributes of resilience and, and also helping people realize their full potential, why can't all of these skills be something that I can develop in my life so I can be someone different? And that's where it started. That's where I started to realize that one day I could be something different. But it came from two things, though. It came from ownership and action, right? You can have hope in your life, hope for something better, hope that you can be better, but without ownership and action, it will never come. Now, what do I mean by ownership? I get in trouble oftentimes because one of the first things I usually tell people, whether it's my client saying, you know, my program isn't selling or, or whatever, the first thing I usually say is it's your fault. Well, no, that the market is this, or my client said this, or maybe even in our personal lives, man, this happened to me. The first thing I always say, well, what part of that is your fault? Now, there's, so, there's a superpower in taking ownership of what happens for us. Yes, I said for us, not to us, but there's something that happens when we take ownership, which is we get to learn from it. When it's somebody else's fault, we brush it, we brush it away. We blame others. We go, oh, I can't control that, so I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to learn anything from it. When we take ownership and go, I am in control of who I become. I am in control of my actions and what I put out in the world and how I change the world. I am the person. I am the driver of this ship. There's something powerful that happens. We get to create our future. It's a beautiful thing. But now comes the action part. We have to actually do the steps necessary. We have to do the practice. We have to do the things in order to develop those skills. Because guess what? You can hope all day, pray all day. You can do whatever you want all day, every day. But unless you do the actions necessary, you will never get those things. So that's where this idea of building the future you really came from. Right? And something else to mention too. If you're in this room, and there's maybe some of us in, in this room that have experienced it before, but a lack of confidence. Let's take something less serious. Let's take something like our entrepreneurship. You come out with a program and it lacks confidence. Man, I don't know if anybody's going to buy this. You want to start your Instagram page and do what Donna Bowling says and, and show up and have your face show up on your social media. But you think, man, no one's going to care. We lack confidence in this moment. And that's okay. Building your future self will allow you to have confidence. And here's why. Because if you... Oftentimes, your fuel source, as I always say, for confidence is your past experiences. And if you're like me and your past experiences have never been all that great, well, it's no wonder you don't have confidence. You haven't learned yet to be optimistic about the future because your past has always been not so great. You were like me when I was a kid and you had learned hopelessness. You didn't know what you were fully capable of. But now as we build our future self, we can start to create who that future person is going to be. And our confidence can be not from our past experiences, but confidence in our ability to become who we were truly meant to be. That's where our confidence can truly come from. So that's the reason for even doing this. Now, I want you to do something interesting here. I want you to take a pen and paper. And if you have one available, I know a lot of us are driving during this. I know a lot of us are busy doing other things. But if you have... A, a pen and paper, I want you to draw a line going up and down, like a hill going up and down, up and down. Now, our lives in general, we always strive to stay up. It's like we, we, we think resilience is just our ability to stay up at all times. I think back to my mother, right? She would always have these moments of total breakdown where, again, we were homeless or we had no money for rent or we had no money for the, for the water bill. We had no ways of of getting to the next day, but yet and still she would bounce back. She would never hide the fact that she cried. But seconds and moments later after that, that breakdown, she would be right back up. Thinking of a new way and being creative about the way that we can still have fun, even though we were staying in the hotel or still have fun, even though we we're staying in a friend's basement for a few days. 
The goal is not to remain at the highest point. Life is peaks and valleys. That is life. Okay, but what we're aiming for is that space in the middle. There's a little gap there, you'll notice, if you drew, did the, the drawing as I told you, right, the peaks and valleys. In between is time. The time it takes you to go from your lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And so the goal and the skill of resilience lies in can we bounce back? How soon will it take us to get replenished? So if you ever watch things like MMA or, or boxing, something that they do is in between rounds, they take a break, right? They'll fight for three to five minutes, and then they get a minute of a break and rest. The best fighters in the world can recover quickly in that minute break. Fighting is no different than life. And there's a reason why, like my program, I call it combat ready, because that's what life is. That's what entrepreneurship is. Every day you're going into a new competition, a new fight, either with yourself, with the market. And so the goal is when you're resting, can I recover enough to give it my all the very next day? So now that we have had already a piece of paper, all right, we already have that piece of paper, we already drew it out. I want you to think about all the people that inspires you to want to be better. Some of the people for me, you know, I'm really obsessed with Obama right now. The, the, the new documentary on him came out on, on HBO Max. And he's a huge inspiration for me, not just because of like what he achieved, but the growth of Obama. They show him early, early on. And they show him, you know, as he became a president. And you can tell the, the studying. You can tell the skill that came with him progressing and, and becoming his future self. That was an inspiration to me. So that's someone that I would write down. Uh, Brene Brown, someone who has pushed forth the conversation of vulnerability and why it's so important. That's another inspiration, right? So I want you to take a minute and write down three to five people that you can think of right now that's an inspiration to you. Then the next part of this, start to jot down some of the attributes they have. Right? Like Rachel mentioned, some people have this, this knack for generosity. Some people have a knack for curiosity. There's somebody that usually comes in this room named Chip Hopper, gave me the best compliment I've ever heard in my entire life. And one day we were on a call and he said, Raylan, you know what your superpower is? Your ability to ask questions. Because I always had this thing in my head, like I'm not that smart, I'm not that smart. And so I don't, maybe I don't have the answers, but I know the right question to ask to get to the, get to the answer. And he, he gave me my favorite compliment I ever heard. I wish he was here so I can, I can tell him that. Because it completely it made my, my year, honestly. But as we start to write down some of those attributes that those people have, now comes the ownership and action part. Which of those attributes are you willing to own? Which of those attributes you actually want to be part of your life? Now, I'm not saying just to put it on a piece of paper and go, oh, I mean, it would be really great if I had that. No, 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 that's not enough. I want you to write down even just one attribute that you want in your life, you need in your life, and you, you had this, the next level for you, the wealth that you want, the health that you want will be there for you. That's the one that we're going to really tackle. So that's the ownership part. And now comes the fun part. Now comes the action. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, ownership without, without action is just shame. You own something long enough, but you do nothing about it. You're just going to shame yourself time and time again. And why am I not doing that? It's kind of like that treadmill that you maybe have in the corner of your office, like for me, I have a Peloton bike that stares at me every single day and goes, man, what are you doing? When are you going to actually use this thing, <laughs> right? We don't want that. We want real action. Now, there's a, a really great book called Triggers. And in the book, he talks about this thing called Daily Questions. I converted it over to this, this report that I call the Daily Focus Report, which I'm going to explain here in a second. But I want to take a moment and ask a, a simple question. For the business owners in the room, for the entrepreneurs, Unmute for a second and tell me what are the most important KPIs in our business? What do you think is the most important things to measure in our business? Anybody can answer this. ROI. Return on investment. I love it. What else? Profit. You know, that's something I look at a lot. What else? Relationships. Relationships. Also, what I like to say instead of ROI is return on relationships. Love it. What else? I think I saw... Brad, you on mute? Assets. Assets, yeah. Give me one more. Referrals. Like Referrals. People about you. Yes. Now, I want us to realize something. 
All those things are important, absolutely. But if you notice, nobody mentioned anything about the one person that's driving those metrics, which is ourselves. What's interesting is we constantly want to measure everything in our business. How many referrals, for ROIs, how many times you know, we, we're actually putting on a lead funnel? How many leads are we getting? Is a lead magnet, we're, we're, we're tracking all these things. How many hits did we get on this? How, many, how much reach are we getting on our reels? We're, we're focusing on all these external things, but the thing that we need to be measuring the most is us. The thing that's actually driving those things. We take all this time to measure our business, but how often are we really measuring ourselves? And the truth is, and this is gonna hurt for some people, the truth is why we don't measure our actions, our behaviors that lead to those results is because we're afraid that what we're gonna see. What we may realize is that we want things in our lives, but we're not doing the right actions on a daily basis to drive to those things. Ooh, and that hurts sometimes. The question I always said, right, we have to be curious. And oftentimes we avoid the person in the mirror, the person that we need to report to the most, which is us. As I was growing up, one of the hardest things I had to do is look myself in the mirror and say, how much of my life is my fault? Am I actually doing what I should be doing to change my life? Or am I sitting around letting the world dictate who I become and what I get in my life? Man, that conversation was hard. There's a great book called Can't Hurt Me. I wish you guys could see my son right now. He's in the room with me and he's like point, like I stand when I talk and I'm pointing a lot and I'm talking and he's like mimicking me. It's hilarious. Anyway, so there's a great book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And what he said was when he's like 300 pounds and he knew he wanted to be better, uh, be better in his life and obviously for himself, one of the things he had to do was he had to write down all the horrible things his inner critic would tell him, right? That he was fat, he was lazy, all these things. He would make sticky notes and put them on his, on his mirror. He would look at himself in the mirror every single day. And if he achieved the goals that he was set out to achieve, if he, if he did something different that day to become the person that he was meant to become, he would take down those stickers. But if not, they remained on the, the mirror. So the, the rhetorical question I want you to really ask yourself is, are you looking in, your, in the mirror enough? Are you being honest with you? If you can't be honest with you, you're not going to be able to be honest with anybody else. The one thing that I constantly talk about, right, and one thing I preach often is this idea of inspirational selling, this idea that our programs, our offers, people need that stuff. And by the way, I almost slipped up and swore. I would have got my hand slapped by Sarah, but I did not. <laughs> people need what we do. People need you to show up on Clubhouse. People need what you do. But every single day that you avoid that mirror and you don't face the music, people can't get the help that they need. So here comes the fun part, like I, measure, like I mentioned, measuring. We need to take action to become the person that we're meant to be. And not uh, like a, probably what, eight years ago now, I used to be the, uh, an executive sales leader in this company. And I remember I went to the CEO and I said, I want to change what we're measuring. And he goes, all right, Ray, what do you think? I said, okay, we've been focusing a lot on how many sales we get a day. We've been focusing a lot of the, the referrals that we get. We've been focusing a lot on how many leads are coming into the funnel and, and how those things converting, right? How many leads convert over to the phone call? How many phone calls actually result in in-person meetings? We're, we're tracking a lot of things which are really important. But I wanna track certain things like how many acts of generosity a day that our reps do? How many times did our reps feel like they built trust? And now look, my CEO is the most probably inspirational person I, I had met in that part. He was a huge mentor to me. And the fact is he, he promoted me four times in three years. And I was the youngest executive there was in a company at the time. And yet, and still he looked the way he looked at me, he was an analytical person. Like I remember even when I first started in the, in the company, I had a huge metric um, in a month. And the way he looked at me, he came, he came to me and he get, told me congratulations. But the way he did it, he goes, Hey, Raylan, January, that was the month that I hit the, uh, I exceeded the budget. He goes, Janu uh, January, and I go, yeah. He nodded his head and just walked away. That was his version of saying, great job. So he was a very analytical person, didn't showcase a lot of emotion. But again, he looked at me and he says, what in the world are you talking about? You wanna measure what? I said, just trust me here, okay? If it doesn't work in a month, just fire me. And by the way, sometimes I say things I don't mean, that was one of those things, but in that moment he goes, deal. And I go, oh crap, let's hope this helps. <laughs> But can anybody answer me? Why do you think 
I decided to track access generosity, trust, all those things instead of the normal KPIs? Why do you think those are the things I wanted to measure instead of the other things? Anybody can answer here. Why do you think that's what I wanted to track? Because that was that was like the foundation of everything. It starts there. It starts with trust. Absolutely. Because what I realized was something very interesting. Okay. If the more acts of generosity that I give, doing without respecting anything in, in return, the more times they would talk about those reps, the more times they talk about how kind our company was, and the more times people heard our name. By the way, that's free referrals. I don't have to spend any money for those leads. The more times that our people built trust and tried to really think about, did I build trust? How did I know? How can I measure that? The more times trust was built. The more times trust was built, the sales came. I wanted to track the behaviors that led to the things that we wanted to see in our business. And as a result, we had some of the best months in the company history. It was a relatively decent company. We were making multi-millions a year, but we took that from 58 million to 100 million and up selling. And it was all based around behavioral metrics. And so now we're gonna take a look at how we can do this in our lives. So we took a look at earlier, right? Who we were, who inspires us, the attributes that led to that. Now I want us to also think about the things that we know that we need to stay fueled. What are the things that you need to do to be in your flow state? Far too often, especially if you're working with a sales coach or a business coach, whatever, far too often we ask questions like, you know, what didn't work? What do we need to change, you know, in our business? You know, what did we learn from this? We need to start asking ourselves, okay, what worked? If you had an amazing day, have you ever had those days where maybe you're on a sales call or maybe you're on IG Live or whatever and everything's flowing perfect, okay? Everything coming out of your mouth is making sense and your, your, the, your ability to retrieve memories from the past is right there for the taking and the analogies are just spitting out of your mouth. You were literally as close to perfect as possible. We need to track what led to that. We need to understand what, how that came to be. What did you do that morning? Did you have your normal breakfast? Or did you eat something else? Did you, did you wake up at a certain time? Did you stretch in the morning? Did you take time for you? What led to that success? You see, when we analyze what went wrong, the thing is we don't know how soon that was. That could have been that day you did something to kind of mess up your brainwaves a little bit, or it could have been a week ago. We don't really know. But when it comes to what we do well, we can track on a daily basis the things that are leading to that result. Think about it again. I'm going to relate to sports a lot. But if you look at the performance of an MMA fighter or a boxer, et cetera, when they have a great practice, they do something that's something that's called sparring. The point of sparring is play fighting, okay? You're going to test out certain things. You're going in there. It's still high risk because your partner's trying to take your head off sometimes. But if you have a great sparring session, the first thing you do is go, all right, what was working? Why did that lead to that? That's where, by the way, the birth of superstition comes. By the way, I was super, 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 super. That's funny. Super, super, oh my God, I can't even talk today. Anyway, I was superstitious as hell. I was that guy that wore the same socks for every single match when I was winning on a winning streak. But that's where it comes from. It's, it's trying to replicate that performance zone that led to the result. But again, why aren't we doing this in our business though? Why are we not doing this for you? Think back to, let's take away business for, for a moment, okay? Let's think about our relationships. Can you think back to a, a time where if you had a perfect, a picture-perfect moment with your family, with your significant other, everything's moving wonderfully, okay? You both are laughing. Maybe you even cry together. You go on a trip you've never been to. And then honestly ask yourself, does this happen enough? Do you have those great moments together as often as you would like? And if not, we need to look back to the, 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 the things that led to those breakthrough moments. We need to think back to the behaviors that led to that amazing conversation. What were the questions you asked me? Were you more, more engaged? Did you not have a bad day at work? What were the things that led to that? And your relationship with Rise. Once again, when we take ownership of the behaviors that we do, there's some wonderful things that can happen. So let's start talking about now, what are the things that we need to track? I know I've been talking a lot about, you know, we need to track behaviors, we need to track behaviors. So what are the behaviors we need to track? 
think back to again what leads to your greatest success and for me these are some of the things that i have to do in order to be successful and, and do and do well in my life and one of the things is i have to have a good morning routine i have to do things for me because i'm sure there's a lot of people in the room that can resonate with this but i tend to give more than i receive i tend to put out in the world i tend to talk a lot and give information give information but if i'm not receiving that information I'm going to be in an empty cup by the end of the week. And by the way, I'm telling you from experience, it's not great. Raylan. Yeah. Can you you're in the right room to talk about morning routines. I know, right? Weird. <laughs> How'd that work out? So this, by the way, could be part of that morning routine. So one of the things I'm going to track is, am I going to the Breakfast of Champions in the morning? Did I miss that? Because if I miss it, it could result in my cup not being filled. It could result in me not being able to be the best me I could be. Now, for a moment here, I've been talking for 29 minutes straight. Okay, so I'm going to take a moment and let's reset the room. So I'm sure there's some people that walked into me rambling on. and was like, where the hell even am I? So you are in the Breakfast of Champions, the million and the million, the millionaire breakfast club. We now have more than 12 hours. I think it's even more than that. 15 hours, 16 hours. It's going to eventually turn to 24 hours, I'm sure of programming each and every weekday starting at 5 a.m. Plus, by the way, we do a 6 a.m. noon to noon on Saturday, and on Sunday, the 111th on Sunday. Now, do me a favor. If you've gotten anything from this room, not just my talk, but everyone in here, by the way, if you haven't, maybe it's time to listen a little bit more closely, I want you to go ahead and click that, that green house at the top and follow the club. I'm telling you right now, the people that are often in this club, the moderators, the people that are shared, they will, if you listen close enough and you implement what people say, you may just change your life just a little bit for the better. So make sure you follow the club and make sure you continue to be with us and grow with us every single day. Now, that being said, what are we measuring here, okay? So for me, it's the morning routine. So I built a little thing, a little Excel spreadsheet. You don't need it from me. You can build it yourself. And the first question at the very top is, did I try my best to become someone who? Did I try my best to become someone who? Far too often, by the way, I think it's incredibly important, right? Simon Sinek talks about find your why, find your why. But one thing I think we need to start to review a little bit more closely is the who. Who are you? Who comes before the why? Because if you know who you are, the why will eventually come. So the one question is, did I try my best to become someone who? Then I'm going to, underneath that, put the skill, put the attribute that I want. And so one of those things that's really important to me is to be a good dad. That's something that, beyond my business, beyond my real, anything else in my life, my goal is to be the best dad I can be. Some days I don't hit the mark. So what am I trying to do? What is the, the domino effect? What is the first domino that's going to fall that's going to lead to me having a great day with my son and that's did I try my best to be curious and playful with my son because one thing that I've noticed the days that we do very well I am in the moment with my son I'm playing with him I'm, I'm in the tent like we have this little play tent I'm in there with him we're playing stuff I'm taking those moments I'm not distracted I turn off my phone I'm just with him so one thing that I'm tracking is <clears throat> am I trying my best to be someone who is patient and is curious and playful with my son. The next part of this is I'm gonna track, I'm gonna give myself a number. And this is gonna be hard for some of us, right? We're gonna give ourselves a grade, just like anything else, right? If you made no sales in a month, I would imagine you think to yourself, man, this wasn't a great month. I'm gonna give myself a zero, okay? We gotta do the same things with our behaviors that lead to us getting those things. So we're gonna do something where we're going to give ourselves a one between a zero and a 10. Okay, 10 is obviously not only did I do it, but I thought about it. I was present in it. I knew, I knew my intentions. I executed the best of my abilities. I'm giving myself a 10. Now, realize in between, it's all up to you what a five is. To me, a five is maybe I knew I should be. I was maybe a little patient with my son, but I really wasn't in the moment. I was kind of thinking like, man, how long have I been playing with him, right? That's maybe deserves a five or a seven. The number doesn't matter as much as again, the review of it. So what are some other things we can add to this? So again, for me, 
like I mentioned before, some of those KPIs I was tracking, those behavioral metrics rather that I was tracking in sales was how many active generosity a, a day did I give? Okay, so one of those other metrics I'm gonna track is did I try my best to be someone who gives without acting or expecting anything in return? If I'm trying to really change the way people view sales, if I'm trying to really change the way the, the, the people are, are getting to their goals, I need to be different. I need to be giving active generosity. So I'm curious to know from everybody in the room, what are some behavioral metrics that you would put on this report if we were to make it for you today? What is something that you can think of that you wanna track and make sure that you're trying to improve on each and every single day? Hey, Raylan, this is Ramon. Ramon, hit me. Hey, one thing I do is I try to track like how many thank you cards I've sent or, or moments of thank you in the previous month, either video thank you, you know, like using bomb bomb or something or physical thank you card. I don't know if that counts, but that's something I try to do. No. That does, because we know that the more thank you cards we send out, it's like, it's like kind of comes from that book called uh, Flip a Funnel, right? When we care about the people we currently have in our funnel, we care about the people that we currently have in our lives, our clients, et cetera, the more they feel, man, they actually, you know, Ramon sees me and understands what I'm going through. Guess what? They're going to tell people about it. So I absolutely love that. Who else has something that they would put on their, on their reports or behavioral metrics that's going to lead to them being great? I'll jump in again, Raylan, it's Donna. Um, I would say along, kind of, I, I'm horrible at thank you cards, but checking in with current clients and making sure to go out of my way. I mean, I do a lot on social, so social, going on their social media, engaging, making sure I'm keeping up with them if I'm not hearing from them, um, checking in with them. So I kind of, I, I force myself to do that on a, on a daily basis to make sure that they're having a good experience. I love that. So once again, we're, we're looking at, did I try my best to be someone who cares deeply and is always available for their clients, right? And the action, obviously, that we'd be looking at is, okay, reaching out to them, DMing them, calling them, et cetera. By the way, this could be a great thing for our personal lives as well. One of the things I struggle with, I'm not going to lie, I, I, especially my friends that are in the room, knows that I really struggle sometimes responding to texts. I just do. I'll see it and be like, okay, I'm busy, but let me get back to this in a minute. And then I never do. I'm... I'm working on it, right? But one of the things that I'll track on my behavioral metrics would be, am I, did I try my best to be someone that's there for their friends? And then at the end of the day, I'm going to be looking at that. Here's a great thing also, too, with, with this report. It's like taking a quiz, taking a test at the end of the day that you know the answer to, right? At the end of the day, if we know the, the answers to the questions that are being asked of us, and we still fail the test, that's on us, right? It's not a pop quiz. These are not surprise questions here, okay? We know the behaviors we need to do. We know what we need to do to show up to be the best version of ourselves, to be our future selves. So what else? What are some other things that we can add to this list of, of things? I want to make sure we walk out of here. With some things. Mark, go ahead. Um, I would say, um, did I pray? Did I get up early enough to get my spirit um, and my mind right before I start my day? Because I found that when I do my, my step back and my, my assessment, I find that um, when I don't do that, I don't armor up. I'm not in the right space and right mindset and right spirit. And um, my day goes differently. I've noticed that. So uh, I have to ask myself, have I done that? Yes, Mark, I absolutely love that. And by the way, if you've ever read the book, Tools of the Titans, one of the things that uh, Tim Ferriss saw and highlights from all the people he's interviewed, every single high performer he's ever interviewed, they all do something similar. They either pray, they meditate, they take a moment of reflection, and they take a moment to themselves, and they all across the board do that one thing. It's kind of fascinating to think about. Let's get one more. What else can we put on this report that shows that we can track every single day to help us become our future self? Raven. I'll go. Oh, go for it. This is Christina. Um, I'll take a jab at it. Did I try my best to become someone who provides great customer service? Oh, I love that. Provide great customer service. I wonder if we can take an even greater step back here. Right? What We're not just trying to provide great, like, what is to you great customer service? What, what's the emotion? What's the feeling we want these people to have from us? Um, first of all, I want them to feel important. Um, I want them to feel, um, 
wanted. I want them to feel special. Um, like they matter, right? Right, 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 right. So one right. of the things we can kind of add to this is, you know, am I, am I trying to be someone who not only does customer service, but also a great customer service, but someone who lets their client know that they are special, right? That they matter to me. The reason why I'm being super specific here is because great customer service can look a very different ways. Like one of the things I love about, there's a um, Cameron Harold. He's, he's on Clubhouse a lot and he has a book called Vivid Vision. And what he talks about is that a, if you do a um, picture board, right? A vision board, a picture can say a, a million words or a thousand words, but words are very clear. So when you paint out a picture with our words, it's very clear what we're trying to do here. So what that will allow you to do, if you say, I wanna make sure my clients know that they matter, you will, great customer service could simply be you reaching out and say, hey, are you getting everything that you need out of this program? Are you getting everything you need out of these services? Or we can go, hey, I noticed today that you post on your stories about your daughter. I just wanna say that your daughter's beautiful and that I love that you're spending time with her by going to X, right? We're gonna get super specific and actually take a little bit of extra time with that individual to make sure they know that they matter and not just a blanketed, hey, are you doing well, right? I hope that makes sense. I think that we had, Sarah, were you gonna mention something too? Yeah, I was just gonna ask, um, since we're kind of talking about looking holistically at the metrics of you know being a successful person each day, if anyone had mentioned movement, I hadn't heard that, but I wasn't sure if I just missed it. No, and I was waiting. There was two people that I thought in my head, or three people that I thought in my Me? head would bring that up. Would be you, Donna, and Jen. I thought for sure someone mentioned that. But yes, movement. A lot of times it gets us in the right. I don't know about anybody else, but when I get my best ideas is usually when I'm in the middle of like a workout. Middle of a workout, I'll be like, oh man, that'd be a really good segment, or man, that'd be really good, you know, idea for a master class. And then, you know, of course, like depending on what I'm doing, I'll forget about it later. But there's a great Mitch Hedberg. Um, joke and he says, you know, sometimes I'll write a joke in my hotel room, but if I'm super comfortable, I have to try to convince myself it's not that good of a joke. So anyway, that's sometimes what I have to do with my with with my ideas. But yes, movement could be the key to leading you to your to your to your best self. So I'm gonna start start to kind of wind down here and go over last final things I wanted to talk about before I open up the room for discussion and also comments. But when we talk about action, it's one thing to actually have these things, but you also have to keep in mind one thing in particular, which is it takes practice. These skills we're talking about are not gonna come overnight. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that's been like, you know what, I'm gonna do X. I'm gonna wake up at four in the morning every single day. And after the first month, we're like, oh, I'm not doing that no more, <laughs> right? It takes practice to do it. And far too often as entrepreneurs, we are in the performance zone, so to speak, versus the practice zone. And we wonder why we're not getting the results that we want. Now, I want you to think about some of the greatest performers that you know of, right? This could be in any industry. I'm going to use sports because, again, it's a really easy example. But let's take, let's take a look at, like, football, for example, okay? They practice two times a day probably for six days a week to do one game. They practice upwards of 12 times before they even perform one time. And why is that? It's to perfect the skill their craft, the thing that they are known for before they showcase it to the world, right? Now I'm willing to bet as well, because by the way, I've been in the same boat, that maybe you have a speech to give, maybe you have a masterclass to do, and you wing it in the moment. Now, there's some of us that can get away with this, absolutely, but imagine how much better we could be if we were to practice. As Ellen Average says, we're talking about practice? Yeah, we're talking about practice, okay? Imagine how much better we would be if we actually went through that. Now, keep in mind, let's go back to MMA, right? Mixed martial arts. Let's watch in UFC. In order for me to go to a fight, I would practice two to three times a day for upwards of eight weeks. Upwards of eight weeks I would practice. And then I would do the one fight that, by the way, only lasts 15 minutes. Okay. Think back to entrepreneurship. You're planning on doing a program. You're planning on coming out with a reel. You're planning on doing whatever, but you just kind of jump into it, expecting it to be great. But imagine how much better it would be if we spent time to really work on our craft. One of the things that I kind of track and I, 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 I try to work on is I realize that the thing that makes me good at, at 
coaching in general. The one thing that makes me good at selling in general is my ability to improv, my ability to, to kind of pull out things, give examples and analogies, something that I practice all the time. It's a silly game nonetheless, but when I'm talking to maybe my girlfriend or, or maybe I'm just having a basic conversation, I'll think in my head, what is something that I could, exp what's something that I can compare this to that no one's ever thought of that would further push this conversation ahead? What's a great question that I could ask that would help somebody dig a little bit deeper and have this conversation go a little bit further? One of the biggest issues that I see in sales today is that we tend to not really push the conversation forward. We're very surface level in the conversation. It's, it's usually like, hey, you know, what do you need? Oh, my program does that. Versus my goal always, and it's a silly goal to have, but the goal that I have is can I make this person cry? Hear me out though. If my goal is, the skill set is, to make this person cry, then the thing that I'll be doing to make that happen is to ask deeper questions. The deeper questions that I ask, the more I understand my, my potential client. The more that I ask these deeper questions, the more they're gonna share, the more empathic they're gonna feel, or I'm gonna feel for that person, and the more trust I'm gonna build. The more trust that I build, the better likelihood of me actually getting the sale. So we have to really be conscious of how much time are you in performance zone? Now, I'm willing to bet if you were to drop down all the things you do on a daily basis, you are in performance zone way too often. What is a performance zone, by the way? Performance zone is high risk. It's a high risk situation, meaning if you are talking with the breakfast of champions in a room, there's a there's a likelihood that maybe some of the things I say don't really make sense. There's a likelihood that maybe my analogies aren't really good. There's a likelihood that you know I mess some things up or whatever. So because of that, people are going to hear it. It's high risk. So. In doing this, I had to practice. I had to think about what I was going to say. I had to kind of go through some some situations that could arise, could come up. What if somebody goes off mute and is peeing in their toilet and they don't realize it? By the way, I'm pretty sure that's everyone's like greatest fear in clubhouse. So we have to practice. So the final thing I'll leave you with is this. Before we kind of open this up to comments, we have to understand that this is no longer about us. When you became an entrepreneur, when you decided you had a message worth sharing, when you decided that you want to make the world a better place than as you came into it at, with, you lost the ability to, to not have ownership of your life. There was a moment when I was a kid that I realized that I wanted the world to be better. I didn't like the world that I was living in. I didn't like the way that I was growing up. I didn't like the fact that the way people looked at me and, and, and felt sorry for me and all those things. I wanted it to change and I wanted somebody else to be inspired by me. So I had to do the actions necessary to become the Raylan you see today. And by the way, the Raylan you see today was not just, didn't just come out the womb this way. I made him and I'm proud of that fact because I put in the work to become him. You too can design and create whoever you want to become. It's not really up to anybody else but you. And at the end of the day, my goal is simple for you. I want you to be able to look yourself in the mirror and go, I tried my best. You notice on that report, we didn't put, did I do it? I don't care if you did it or not. What I care about is you trying. Because if you try enough, if you tweak it enough, you ask the right questions, you will eventually become your future self and you will no longer be miles and miles away from your future self, but you'll be right next to that person. So today, ask yourself these hard questions. Look yourself in the mirror and figure out what are the steps you need to do to become your future self. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and pause my mic and maybe pass to Sarah or anybody else that wants to share or have any comments or questions about what we talked about today. Well, I'll definitely take the mic in about 10 minutes to introduce Kristen to the stage. And thank you for an amazing first segment on Breakfast of Champions. But right now, I'll let anyone else chime in who'd like to chime in. And yes, I'm in Nisha's bathroom for anyone who's wondering. <laughs> Loud kids. Beautiful. So what, what, what thoughts kind of popped in our head as we're talking about designing your future self or just anything in general that popped up for us as we we're discussing this today? Raylan, it's Molly. Uh, first of all, I, I was on a Zoom for the first half. So if I did, um, if you did already cover this, I apologize. But you spoke about, you know, kind of the victim to victor mentality. Do you have any tips or suggestions on, on what kind of you need for your mindset to, to transfer from that victim to victor mentality? Great question. And by the way, this is not from experience for me. It wasn't easy because everyone around me had that mentality, including my mother, who I love 
very much. But oftentimes there's a lot of like, man, this is not our fault. It's someone else's fault. And so one of the things I had to do was I had to surround myself to Rachel's point when she was speaking earlier, I had to surround myself with the right people, people who are constantly going, okay, what can I do to get better? And I think the most, the most easiest way, not easy, but ultimately that that's one thing we need to ask ourselves is be curious and going, what could I be doing differently? What is going on in my life today that I can own? Not everything we can own, right? Especially if maybe we're around narcissists, that's probably the one caveat, but we can own something. And when we start to take ownership over the things that's happening for us, that's when things get a little bit better. And the final thing is not only do you take ownership, you go, how am I going to make this going to, how am I going to make this work for me? Now I can't remember exactly who said it, but I remember someone famous one day, it might've been Oprah. I can't remember, but somebody said it doesn't, no one cares about the struggles you have in your life until you've made it. The question becomes, how can I turn some of these things that maybe I'm ashamed of, maybe I'm worried about, I'm insecure about, how can I turn that around and have that be something that inspires somebody else? Again, I can't, uh, I, back in the day, if you would have told me, like I would be talking to a hundred plus people about the fact that I grew up in a motel and I grew up in a homeless shelter, all these things to inspire others, I'd tell you, you're crazy. But because my future self would do it, now I'm doing it. So I hope that answers your questions. What other questions or maybe comments that we have about this? I just love this segment. This is Mary Lynn Broadstation for you. You know, I was working and listening, but I was a single mom and I had a single mom and, you know, I didn't have a lot of uh, guidance around me, but um, so I didn't have those tools, like you said. So I related to that and kind of validated that I had to teach myself about 10 years ago. I started kind of like reparenting myself and learning and teaching myself. So I really love that part of it. I think you should talk about that often. So thank you for sharing. Marilyn, I appreciate that. And obviously, to the mothers in the room, especially the single parents in general, you, you have one of the most difficult jobs that there is. And I remember there's this one piece of advice I, I got from my mom when I found out I was going to be a father, and especially too, when I was thinking about how she overcame all that stuff. And all she really told me, which I thought was fascinating, was all you can really do is try to be the best you you can be. We all know the saying, right? When we're you know, in an airplane, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first and then your kids. It's because obviously if you pass the hell out, like who's going to help your kid? And the thought is the one thing that she not resented, but she struggled with was that she didn't work on her enough. And as a result of that, right, there's some times where maybe we didn't feel we were getting the help that we needed. But when you are your best you possible, our kids get to feel that and know it's okay to also focus on them and grow themselves as well. Now, I know there was somebody else that was unmuting to make a comment as well, so go ahead. Hey, Waylon, it's Nisha. Um, hi. Uh, hi. I just want to tell you, you are just amazing. Uh, I've told you that before. I'm telling you it again. Uh, I think this is validation. Um, and everything you said resonated. And I think the thing that stood out the most for me was, you know, the notion that a lot of times we focus on the end result, right? Um, and we don't really think about the effort applied to doing the things that we need to do for ourselves. And so we just go from start to finish. Like, did I do it? Was I successful? But I think you brought up something I thought was powerful um, related to like, did you, did you just start the project? Did you get it going? Did you um, put your best foot forward? You know, um, so we put so much pressure on ourselves that we always think about the perfection attached to the performance. Whereas it's sometimes it's just about the performance. Like, did you even try to do something? And so I thank you for acknowledging the try because I think it's not acknowledged enough and it's necessary to acknowledge that in people because, you know, sometimes people are really just crawling out here and they don't give themselves credit because they're not walking yet. And so I just want to say thank you, brother. I love it, and I got to um, try to see if I can get back in my my bathroom because Sarah's in there. So, thanks. <laughs> love you, Nisha. But, yes, try. That's all it is. Sometimes it's really a matter of did I show up? Because guess what? That's the hardest point. There's, there's one thing that I usually do, and especially, too, when I have a new person that wants to come into one of my programs – and we have our first sales call. One of the first things I usually say is, I want to congratulate you for me even being here. 
Because if you think about it, right, when someone decides they want to work with you, they had to overcome a lot to even get to you. They had to realize that they needed help. They had to get over the fear of, man, what if this isn't going to work? And they had to overcome, you know, the fear or maybe even the shame of saying like, hey, I need help. It takes a lot of guts to even do. So the fact that someone's even trying needs to be acknowledged. Trying is half the battle. Showing up is half the battle. The fact that if anyone in here is an entrepreneur, I don't care if you've only made a dollar in your business or you've made pennies or literally nothing. The fact that you went and created an LLC is a really big deal. The fact that you maybe went on Facebook or told your parents or told your significant other, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, that's a really big deal. You're trying. And I always think about this, right? There's somebody out there right now that isn't trying. There's someone out there that wants what you want, but they're not doing anything about it. And at least you are. Yeah, maybe you didn't make it yet. Maybe you're not where you want to be. But you're trying. And that that deserves respect. That deserves some kudos. And if you're not giving yourself that kudos, and if you're not getting that from others, I don't I don't really know how you can continue to progress and how you can continue to grow. You need to take time to give yourself some kudos. The truth of the matter is when I was growing up, yes, I had some people in my life that was telling me good job, but truth of the matter is there's a point in my life where I was really self-secluded. Like I kind of hid from the world and I had to be the person that showed up and said, hey man, like you pulled out your book today. I didn't learn to read until I was maybe sixth grade. And the truth is, and maybe this is partly why I had some of the skills that I have, but I used to do this thing where we'd always would read and during the time we'd give book reports based upon how people's reaction was when they were speaking i could kind of pick up where the book was going i can kind of pick up a little bit of what people were saying and and their shares and then i would kind of make things up as i went and it would be in line i knew if i went too far out of the bounds it wouldn't work out so i had to stay in this this straight line so to speak and it, it kind of helped me develop this kind of ability to improv and in but the fact is I needed to learn how to read. And so instead of beating my head against the wall and, and, and being ashamed of the fact that I couldn't read, all I did was just try. I said, today I'm going to pull up my book. I'm going to read what I can read, and I'm going to ask for help. And trying, by the way, includes asking for help. What other final comments we have? We have about four minutes left before I pass it uh, to the next person. Hi, this is Malika Stark. Can I speak? Yeah, go ahead. So I will tell my future self. So you had me crying when you told your story about um, being homeless and how the pursuit of happiness really was a trigger point for you. And I would say as a single mom, I didn't intend to be a single mom the last time. Like I had two kids prior to being married and then I got married and decided to have two more kids. And then that relationship did not work. And so now I'm back to being a single mom, but it's like my hunger now is not to be the victim. I was the victim in the beginning and people used to say, stop being the victim to your story. And then I had to realize that inside of me was some resilience that kept me going forward that said, okay, I'm going to be the best self that says that I'm going to start my business and work a full-time job that says, you know, um, until I can get my business to where it can replace at least the minimum income that I can do. And it meant I had to refocus my priorities. So one of my priorities to start my morning off is that I do get up and get into the breakfast of champions so that I can learn how to push past those moments when I feel like I'm defeated or I feel like I'm overtaking or I feel like I don't have the support I have. I have to remember to tell the universe, hey, you said you'd support me. You said you'd supply my need according to your riches and glory. You said that you would give me the resources. And I also know that faith without works is dead. So I have to show up and be present and say something and ask those questions, like how to get past these moments. And you guys all bring it 110% every day. And I wanted to thank you so much for being transparent in your story. Because some people would use that story as shame to say, oh, you grew up poor. Okay, well, I'm rich now. But how did you get to be rich? And you're willing to tell that secret. A lot of people, especially in the African-American community, when they make it, they don't come back and say, this is how I make it. I made it. 
They say, I made it. You figure out how you make it. And you got to go back and figure it out. Nobody's giving you the answers to the test. And so I applaud you and saying, you know what? I had to stop being the victim, even in high school. I'm, I'm working with my 13-year-old right now who wants to play the victim because his dad is not 100% present. He's more of a virtual dad. But you can't play the victim. You got to go read the book. You can't be on the internet 24-7. You've got to take ownership of you. And so I leave on Clubhouse hopefully, hopefully, hoping he would hear the nuggets that are coming out from the men that get on the platform and speak to say, hey, I was this and now I'm that because I put forth the energy and the effort and I wouldn't let my past circumstances project what my future would look like. I was encouraged by your story, Raylan. Please keep doing what you do. Thank you for inspiring me to keep going. And I am going to keep going. I am Malika Starr, and thank you for allowing me to share the stage. Malika, I so appreciate you and sharing that. Um, you know, for me, the, the key has always been this. I always dreamt of somebody reaching back and, and helping me as I came up. And so now, even if it's just one little thing that I can do, inspiring one person a day is all it really matters and all it really takes. And so, you know, I'll be thinking about you. If you ever need anything, let me know. But with that being said, that's the end of my time. And I hope Raylan, that- can I say something before? I'm so sorry, Venus. We always mm -hmm. pass over segments on time. I definitely encourage you all to DM Raylan. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.